Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The latest from 7 News with Michael Usher. Good evening and welcome. New tonight, the Queen carries out her first official engagement since her hospital visit. Singapore opening to Australia. We take you inside the post-pandemic travel boom. Fresh COVID concerns for Queensland. A community case puts the state on edge and a fresh appeal from Cleo Smith's mum. We hear from her tonight. But first, there's some news that uh, has just come in in the past hour. The Queen is back at work carrying out her first engagement since being told to take some time to rest by doctors. Our correspondent Sarah Greenolch has the details now from London. Sarah, good evening to you. So what royal duties did Her Majesty return to? Michael, good evening. Some good news for you uh, to start off with this evening. Buckingham Palace confirming a short time ago in a statement or, or an alert that Her Majesty has carried out two virtual audiences from Windsor Castle uh, with ambassadors who are at Buckingham Palace. So there she is sitting at her desk, dressed in yellow, smiling, hopefully feeling well. Now, this is significant given what happened last week. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, Her Majesty had to... Ca- on Wednesday, rather, Her Majesty was forced to cancel a two-day visit to Northern Ireland, reluctantly on the medical advice of her doctors who ordered her to rest. We then found out reluctantly from the palace that she had spent uh, the night in hospital on Wednesday for some preliminary investigations in central London. Still no further detail as to uh, what that was, but that was the Queen's first overnight hospital stay in eight years. Over the weekend, she did miss uh, going to a church service in Windsor and the Sunday Times reported here in the UK that the Queen has not only been busy in recent weeks uh, publicly with public engagements, but also privately. She's been hosting uh, a lot of family and friends to dine with her, reportedly not wanting to spend time alone, which is probably very understandable given that she lost her husband of 73 years in April. So this is good news. The Queen back in action. By all accounts, she is trying to preserve some energy so that she can attend the COP26 climate conference in Glasgow on the 1st of November, Monday. She is expected to lead a royal delegation with Charles, Camilla, William and Kate. She's been very supportive of both uh, Prince Charles and William's initiatives in raising awareness about the environment. So hopefully we see her there in the flesh, uh, but we have seen her there on video screen, hopefully doing well, Michael. All right, Sarah Greenwich in London, thank you. In more news, just in Australians will be allowed to enter Singapore free of quarantine from November 8. Only fully vaccinated travellers will be welcomed and a negative PCR result must be received prior to leaving Australia and on arrival in Singapore. Australia will be one of just 13 nations with a travel arrangement with the city-state. Travel and aviation expert James Wilkinson is going to join me soon with more on this development. There have also been major changes to requirements for Australians hoping to head to the US when borders start reopening next month. Political reporter Rob Scott's in Parliament House for us tonight. Rob, good evening to you. So what will be expected of Australians travelling there? Well, Michael, under a new order signed by President Biden from the 8th of November, it'll be mandatory for all travellers into the US, which of course includes Australians, to be vaccinated. And they'll need to show proof of a negative test within three days of departure. On the rare occasion that unvaccinated travellers are allowed into America, they'll have to test negative within one day of flying. Children under the age of 18 
and people from about 50 countries where there's a shortage of vaccines will be exempt from the new rules, but they must still test negative within three days of flying as well. And airlines will be required to enforce these new procedures. Those that don't could be slapped with $46,000 fines per violation. And the new rules now effectively lifts the 19-month travel ban on people coming from dozens of countries, which includes places like China, the UK, most of Europe and South Africa. Rob, I think many Australians wouldn't know this, but AstraZeneca isn't formally approved by the, the US regulators. But they're saying now that it's OK for visitors to come if they've had it, is it right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, as you say, not many people would be aware of this, uh, despite the fact that AstraZeneca is the so-called workhorse vaccine in Australia and Canada uh, and the UK and several other countries. It is not approved for use in America. But those who have had the jab will still be considered fully vaccinated for the purposes of gaining entry into the US, as will those who've taken a mix and match approach as long as uh, both vaccines that they've had have an emergency use listing with the World, World Health Organisation. All right, Rob Scott in Canberra, thank you. Also new tonight, you'll be able to pick up COVID tests at Coles stores from next week. The supermarket chain is the first to stock 15-minute turnaround rapid antigen nasal kits available to buy in-store and online. It's one of eight tests approved by the Therapeutic Goods Administration for at-home use. Woolworths is expected to follow suit shortly after, mainly in states dealing with outbreaks. The vaccine push has added urgency in Queensland tonight. Authorities are worried two new local COVID cases could see COVID storm the state sooner than they'd like, with vaccination rates falling short of where they need to be. I don't care where people get their vaccine. I only care that they get one and they get one fast. Well, Alex Lewis is our reporter standing by in Brisbane tonight. Alex, good evening to you. What's the level of concern around these cases? Good evening, Michael. It seems like it wasn't too long ago that two mystery cases would have thrust us into lockdown. Uh, but today there wasn't even a COVID press conference, let alone uh, any suggestion of uh, restrictions uh, on the horizon. But what authorities are concerned about are our lagging vaccination rates. Queensland has just five days to hit that first uh, 80% first doses mark, which we need to reach in order to make, uh, in order for 80% of the population to be fully immunised by December the 17th, which is the date for the domestic borders uh, to reopen. So that means between now and Sunday, uh, more than 35,000 Queenslanders a day need to be receiving their first shot. And yesterday, that number was only around 19,000. So uh, we are falling short based on the current rates, Michael. Needs to pick up, there's no doubt about that. Now, Alex, as we look ahead to the reopening, a plan tonight to welcome back international students. What are the details on that? Yes, Michael. Well, from early January, Queensland will start accepting international students, uh, a cohort of 250 a fortnight. Uh, they'll need to be fully vaccinated and they'll need to quarantine for two weeks at the WellCamp facility being constructed by the state government at Toowoomba. But as for uh, tourists and, and other foreign nationals, they'll have to wait until Queensland reaches 90% coverage based on the, the current roadmap. The federal government is calling on Queensland uh, to... Uh, open to the rest of the world at 80% instead, uh, you know, with travel resuming in New South Wales uh, next month. And certainly there are concerns in the tourism industry that Queensland could be left behind the rest of the country uh, as we reach the other side of the pandemic, Michael. All right, Alex Lewis in Brisbane, thank you for that. Let's have a look at our progress in meeting the national vaccine reopening goals. Tonight, more than 74% of over-16s are fully vaccinated against coronavirus. The next milestone, 80% double dose, is due in eight days on the 3rd of November. 
90% of us will have received both our COVID shots a month later, by the 4th of December. Well, tonight we have a reopening roadmap for South Australia, one the Premier hopes will bring about a Christmas which can be as normal as possible. On November 23rd, vaccinated interstate visitors can come and go without quarantine, depending on vaccine rates and outbreaks where they live. On that same day, quarantine for international arrivals is halved, while local restrictions will also ease. Measures lift even further at 90%, and that is due before Christmas. And on Thursday, the Victorian government will put new laws to Parliament, giving the Premier increased powers during a pandemic. The reforms would allow the state's leader to have the final say on restrictions and public health orders, not the Chief Health Officer, something Brett Sutton says that he is OK to work with. Well, Crown will keep its Melbourne casino licence despite a Royal Commission finding it engaged in illegal, unethical and exploitative behaviour. Let's go to Estelle Griepink, who's live in Melbourne. Estelle, good evening to you. We have heard some extraordinary information about Crown's operations. So what have they been accused of? Good evening, Michael. Well, the report found that Crown facilitated money laundering, knowingly partnered with organised crime groups and underpaid taxes up to $272 million. Despite all of that, it's been able to keep its licence, and that's even though the Royal Commission report was very damning in what it put out. It also said that Crown Melbourne had engaged in conduct that is, in a word, disgraceful, variously illegal, dishonest, unethical and exploitative. And much of the reason, Michael, that Crown was actually able to keep its licence was to protect the Victorian economy because the casino makes so much profit and also to protect the jobs of the more than 12,000 Melburnians who work here. A lot of employment there is still. Now, no doubt this is going to shake out the management of the casino. How's that going to change, the running of it? Well, perhaps the biggest change is the appointment of a special manager who will be here for the next two years and they will need to make sure that Crown actually holds up its end of the deal, implementing these changes recommended by the Royal Commission. If not, the casino could automatically lose its licence. The special manager will also have unprecedented powers to veto board decisions and basically be able to overlook all the books at the casino and it's hoped that changes like these will actually lead to some real reform here at Crown. Yeah, still, it's a large complex. It's not just the casino, the, the hotel, the restaurants. What are the implications for the rest of the business? Well, Michael, certainly there'd be a lot of scrutiny from other operations, including in Sydney and Macau, and obviously from regulators in Perth, considering the Royal Commission there. We know that two executives have already stepped away from the business, but as for shareholders, good news for them at least, stocks have risen by 10% today. Michael? All right, still there in Melbourne. Thank you. Forensic police have for the first time gone inside the family home of missing WA toddler Cleo Smith. Detectives spent around four hours examining the property as part of their investigation into her disappearance. Tonight the girl's mother is going to new lengths in the search for her daughter. Ellie Smith has created a TikTok account posting a montage of her little girl captioned Bring My Baby Home. Her parents have denied they're in any way involved. Jane, is, is there anything that you're not telling us? No, nothing. Anything you haven't told police at this point? No, nothing. So you or, or no one that you know has anything to do no, with nothing. Cleo's disappearance? No. And Ellie, I have to ask you the same question. No way. We love our daughter. Exactly. And we want her home. And we know tonight how the government plans to drive down emissions to net zero by 2050. The coalition wants to invest in clean hydrogen, low-cost solar 
batteries and carbon capture and storage. What's not clear is how much that's all going to cost, with economic modelling still to be released. The PM says the plan won't cost jobs, increase taxes or CNN to coal or gas production and exports. Gladys Berejiklian's closest adviser has told a corruption inquiry that uh, she was lied to about her boss's secret relationship with the former MP Daryl Maguire. Former Chief of Staff Sarah Cruikshank said she first learned of it on the night Maguire resigned in 2018, but Ms Berejiklian insisted it was over before she became Premier. It actually ended last year, Cruikshank agreeing with the Commissioner that she was lied to. A memo issued at the time and signed by the Premier reminded ministers that they had a duty to report suspicions about Maguire to ICAC. A nationwide search is right now underway for a man accused of involvement in a drug importation ring who's cut off his ankle tracking bracelet and made a run for it. Our reporter Tom Saker is following this manhunt from outside police headquarters in Sydney. Tom, this is a strange one. Do police believe he's at risk of fleeing the country? Well, Michael, that's exactly the reason that police prosecutors on Thursday fiercely opposed the bail of Mustafa Balouch. And there are fresh reports tonight that he may have been able to get onto a private jet which was waiting at Bankstown Airport last night. He was facing a life sentence after he cut that ankle bracelet at his home on the northern beaches and fled in a dark-coloured Mercedes. Police arrested him in June for his role, allegedly, in importing 900 kilograms of cocaine into Australia from Ecuador. He was implicated in the massive police sting in which police were able to infiltrate the messaging service uh, ANOM. Now, as you can imagine, the police minister, David Elliott, was furious when he heard that the magistrate had let him off and said basically to be on his best behaviour. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. He doesn't deserve the confidence that the court has afforded him uh, and uh, I'm pretty confident that knowing the technology and uh, surveillance techniques of the New South Wales Police, he'll be found. Now, the 33-year-old supposed restaurateur put up a $4 million surety on Thursday when he was in court and his lawyer argued that he was struggling to mount a defence while he was in uh, behind bars and uh, struggling with COVID restrictions. Obviously, uh, but for this man, $4 million may not be that much at all. It's not much of a sacrifice given that he may be worth uh, anywhere between tens to one hundreds of millions of dollars. So not much to escape and possibly flee the country. And uh, there is every chance that uh, New South Wales police will never be able to get his hands on him again. But you would hope that they would be able to track a private jet if yeah. that is, in fact, uh, how he was able to escape last night, Michael. Indeed. All right, Tom Saker in Sydney. Thank you. A US judge has ruled Prince Andrew must be questioned under oath by Virginia Dufresne's lawyers in her civil sexual assault case. A mid-July deadline for this to happen has been set as part of a schedule reportedly agreed upon by lawyers from both sides. Andrew denies allegations he sexually assaulted Virginia Dufresne when she was a teenager. He's not been charged with any crime. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Monday.com. 
Tesla has hit a trillion dollar market value, bumped up 13% by a gigantic bulk order of its electric cars. Network Finance Editor Gemma Acton joins me now. Gemma, good evening to you. This is quite an enormous order. What can you tell us about this deal? Well, it is very significant for all parties involved, really. So for Hertz, 100,000 uh, EVs. So they'll soon make up a fifth of its total fleet. Uh, for Tesla, it really shows what they can do with their newly expanded factories. This is the biggest single order that's ever been placed with them. For the rental car industry, which is really dominated by Hertz and its two biggest rivals, Avis and Enterprise, they've traditionally really dragged their feet when it comes to EVs, just didn't make much economic sense. Uh, but now we see that Enterprise and Avis are almost certainly going to have to get a wriggle on and, and move ahead mm. with their EV plans as well. And then for the electric vehicle industry itself, this is such a validation for it, uh, showing that Hertz truly believes that customer demand and governmental policies around the world, the charging infrastructure that's being rolled out, uh, and pressure from shareholders as well to do the right yeah. thing by the environment. Hertz clearly thinks that the enormous investment they're making in this is warranted. It's, it's interesting on a few levels because all the rental car companies have been through grief through mm -hmm. almost two years of pandemic, but 100,000 electric cars from Tesla for Hertz. What does it mean for Hertz? Well, for customers, it just gives them a lot more choice. Uh, until now, really, if you wanted to hire an EV from a major car rental company, you had to go top of the line, so the flashest mm. Porsche, uh, you know, the top quality Tesla. This Model 3 sedan is a really basic Tesla. Uh, it's a really cheap, affordable version. So if you're a customer who wants to try it out, it's a great opportunity to, to, to give it a whirl without having to go into that premium category. Um, it's not so fortunate for Hertz customers here in Australia, probably for the time being. We do have such poor charging infrastructure that it just doesn't seem to make sense for Hertz for the time being. So this is very much focused overseas yeah. for now. I wonder what the requirements would be, because with any rental car, they always say you've got to bring it back with a full tank. Yeah. Presume you've got to bring it back with a full charge. But, <laughs> well, you know. well, that's a really good question. Yeah. And the turnover time is another issue there mm. because it can take quite a while to, to, to... Well, you have to be quick to turn over a car. You, often they're within an hour, but it can take a very long time yeah. to charge an electric vehicle. So a few things to iron one. out still. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Tesla's founder obviously has come out pretty well out of all of this. <laughs> yeah, so uh, last year Elon Musk famously said that between 2017 and 2019 Tesla was pretty much always a month away from bankruptcy and things have certainly changed now, as you pointed out, a trillion dollar market value, but that's US dollars, so in Aussie dollars that's 1.3 trillion. And Musk's personal wealth last night when the share price soared uh, jumped by nearly 50 billion Australian dollars. So he's now up at around 385 billion Australian. He was already the richest man in the world by quite a margin, but this has pulling even further away from the pack uh, right now. But more broadly for Musk, yeah. again, this is a real um, stamp of confidence in the EV industry, in Tesla, and given that around two-thirds of his wealth is tied up in Tesla shares and options, it stands in pretty good stead. Crazy numbers. Yeah, they are. Very successful. All right, Jim, thank you. Thanks, Michael. Well, our international borders opening next month and airlines are lining up in record numbers. It's quite extraordinary. James Wilkinson from Wayfarer Travel is live with us in the studio. Wilco, good to see you. Now, a uh, major push by carriers this week. It's been hard to keep up with all the information of who's coming. There has been a lot going on the past week, Michael. We've seen, obviously, Qantas push forward flights to the 1st of November. We've also seen Cathay Pacific, Singapore Airlines adding a lot of flights, some 27 flights between them into Sydney. Hawaiian Airlines announcing yesterday they're rebooting Sydney flights. Uh, it's all kind of happening. Jetstar have put on a tonne of flights 
flights for next year and a huge sale. And uh, they told me just before we came on air that they've had a 900% increase in web traffic in the past 24 hours of international destinations, not just domestic. If we look at Sydney and Melbourne, where, where, can, we, where can we go and when, more importantly? It's a bit of a fantastic wish list at the moment, Michael. We've got, obviously, Qantas taking us to uh, London, Los Angeles and Singapore next month. Uh, ANA to Tokyo. Um, Cathay Pacific to Hong Kong, but you do need to quarantine when you get there. Um, Singapore, you have to quarantine at, at the moment, but they can take you onwards to Europe. Most of their networks actually open for Aussies, including America as well. Yeah. Uh, Delta Airlines rebooting theirs as well. They're back and forth on tickets. Also, um, United Airlines as well. And then uh, coming up very soon, Virgin Australia in December, which is really exciting. Okay. Virgin's first international flight again since what happened with that airline last year so if we it should all settle down a bit because there's a frenzy going on with everyone racing back into the market by christmas time though what's what are your picks well, Christmas time, obviously, Fiji's going to reopen December the 1st. It's one of the hottest tickets out of Australia. We saw that went through the roof in terms of what's happening with sales through Fiji Airways, through Jetstar, Virgin, Qantas, all getting back into the market. Again, I think places like California, I mean, Delta Airlines, a United, Qantas, all going back to yeah. LA. It's really happening at the moment. So, uh, And Europe. You, we can get to Europe by Christmas. Are the now. prices OK or are the airlines gouging to try and make up for all the money they've lost? They're not too bad at the moment. Um, domestic, it is going to be a bit of a free-for-all because don't forget the capacity comes back on across the country internationally once a lot of those returning Aussies come back the prices will stable a tiny bit a lot of the, the, the seats at the moment are bookings but as Delta opens up more tickets as United opens up more tickets and Qantas puts flights on it frees up a lot more seats from some of those important routes that were coming in a lot of people over the past sort of year and a half of sitting on cancelled tickets and trying to get refunds are there pitfalls here in racing into book now do you think or not I think it's pretty good. I think one thing is check the destination. We just heard before about the US and about the US requirements. Aussies have been away from those requirements, which has been really good. But some destinations, you don't want to end up in a medi hotel should you catch COVID after a day or two. You also don't want to go to destinations where you're having a, a test on day three, test on day 10. It's very hard for a family to go away and have that kind of thing. So check that. Also importantly, check your passport. Yeah. A lot of Aussies don't have three months validity. A lot of countries in need three months, 90 yeah. days, and fill out your Esther before the US. I almost forgot to do mine the other day. Uh, because you're off and going pretty soon. On the note about cautionary things, though, travel insurance. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would go to the United States without it. The health system's just way too expensive, uh, nor would you want to risk going to Bali if you fell off your scooter. Mm -hmm. Uh, can you get travel insurance for these destinations or are they still saying, no, it's pandemic? Well, at the moment, because they're on the do not travel list. So when the Australian government changes the outbound, if you look at the, 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 the websites at the moment, every country apart from New Zealand do not travel. Oh, right. So once they start releasing those countries off onto a green list, then you can get travel insurance. Is that going to happen, though? Because if you're, going, if you're racing to buy a ticket now to a country that's on a... Well, they're all on the, yeah. the no-go list. You're not going to get travel insurance. Well, yet. we thought places like Fiji, which has had um, almost 100% of the population, working population, is already vaccinated. Mm. You've, got to, you've got to be negative to be able to go there. It, it's a very safe destination. There must be travel insurance at some point. So that list has to start getting filled out again soon. Government hasn't done it yet, but with November the 1st coming a few days away, yeah. they'll have to do it pretty soon. You'd think so. All right, James Wilkinson, good to have you in the studio. Thank Always you. Always a pleasure. Drink beer, save the world. That's the slogan of Sydney Brewery Young Henry's and now they're putting their words into some real action. In partnership with the University of Technology Sydney, they've launched a project that involves growing and feeding algae in their brewing facility. It's a bit strange. So joining me now is Young Henry's director and co-founder Oscar McMahon uh, joining me. Oscar, g'day. Thanks for joining the latest tonight. I'll ask you first. Now, you wouldn't normally put algae with beer, I'm sure. What are you using it for? Okay, so when beer ferments, it releases CO2 into the atmosphere. Um, microalgae lives in a liquid environment, uh, much like beer does. We've sort of worked out in tandem with our friends at UTS 
that if we were to take the CO2 from beer fermentation, feed it to algae, the algae will eat that CO2 and actually replace it with oxygen. Right. So we are now able to brew a beer and release oxygen instead of CO2. That actually has created quite a lot of algae, and we are now researching the feeding of that algae to cattle to lower the methane emissions of the livestock industry. All right, so you've got a few levels going here. Just go, go through it scientifically for me, the algae and the beer and the mix. How, do, how does it work here? Okay, so beer ferments and creates CO2 into the atmosphere. We capture that. We put that through an algae tank. The algae actually eats that CO2 and uses it to photosynthesize. That sends oxygen up into the atmosphere. We then have got a tank full of algae. It gets to a biomass. We are then looking at ways of turning that into cattle feed yeah. to reduce the methane emissions of cattle that eat the algae. Okay, and that's a huge thing and something we've really got to focus on. How does it actually change the, the carbon footprint of, uh, of, of brewing beer, though, too? That would be important. Absolutely, and that was the obviously the, the reason we looked into this in the first place was as a business we're trying to take control over some of the carbon emissions of our business. Uh, the awesome thing about this project is that as we got into it, we had to work out something that we were going to do with all this algae that we would be producing. Mm. And uh, we teamed up with Meat and Livestock Australia, who are actually coming on to help fund the back end of this research project so that we can actually see what the, um, what the effects will have on methagenesis in livestock. And so far, the results are really, really promising. That's really, it is fascinating. And obviously, there's a few phases to all the bits that you're talking about. But, but where, are we, where are you exactly at and, and where is it going, do you think? Okay, so uh, in 2022, we'll be putting in our first uh, official prototype of this system into our brewery in Newtown. Um, and then our plan is to actually then replicate that and have other brewers around the country and around the world actually adopt this technology with the idea of trying to engage with all of the infrastructure, the brewing infrastructure that already exists and get all of them turned into algae farms to help reduce you know the livestock industry's emissions yeah. which is so you can really um, work on some different scales can't you i mean from what you're doing and then escalate it up absolutely this isn't something that we can do by ourselves we're trying to create something that other brewers will see a sustainable um value to but also a financial value to uh this will this system will actually make financial sense for brewers there seems to be a good consciousness and a bit of leadership from the alcohol industry. I know one of the other major brewers is saying that all of their production is relying on 100% clean energy uh, pretty soon as well. It's a strong lead, isn't it? Absolutely. I think one of the things I love about our industry is that it is full of uh, open-minded, forward-thinking, innovative people. Yeah. And uh, really, that's, that's the sort of mindset that you need to, you know, either take, take leadership on things that you care about or, more importantly, try to reflect the values of your customer base. You could never have thought it when you came up with the slogan about drink beer, save the world, that would actually start applying that way, could you? Uh, yeah, it was not, it was not something... We, we didn't come up with that seriously in the first place, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> well, it's starting to apply, which is fascinating. All right, good to talk to you, Oscar McMahon. Good job. Thank you very much, Michael. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now, Gemma Acton's back with a look at the markets. Thanks, Michael. A mixed bag across Asia today. The Nikkei rising as Japan's lockdowns ease. The Hang Seng dropping, spooked by a profit warning from Alibaba Health. And Australia giving up early gains to finish flat. A powerful rally by casino shares pushed our local market to just finish in the green. And after the Dow Jones hit a fresh record high last Friday and the S&P 500 overnight, Wall Street looks set to add to its gains. Twitter, Google Parent Alphabet and Microsoft are all reporting after market close today. Both oil and gold prices are holding relatively stable this session, while the Aussie dollar has slipped back under 75 US cents after earlier challenging a four-month high. Michael. Thank you, Gemma. Well, it's amazing how quickly life is snapping back in previously lockdown areas of Australia. For 105 days during Melbourne's lockdown lull, the accident-prone Montague Street Bridge stood waiting to trap its next truck driver. We'll reset the count now. A van missing all the warnings and becoming wedged underneath. Traffic is moving tonight until, dare I say, the inevitable. It will happen again. And there was no crying over spilt milk, but a splattering of a different dairy variety certainly made for a sad sight in Sydney. A truck leaked 2,000 litres of raw cream at Eastern Creek. So how to soak up such a milky mess? Well, the fire and rescue crew skimmed over the scene with tonnes of sand and plenty of brooms. Well, thank you for your company this evening. From the team here at 7 News, that is the latest. I'm Michael Usher. Thanks for your company. Have a good night.